Welcome to Cascade Talks. Croesoi Cascade Talks. Podcast sydd yn trafod ac yn archwilio yr ymchwil diweddaraf ac arloesi yn y maes o gofal cymdeithasol plant. A podcast that discusses and explores the latest research and innovation in the field of children's social care. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast with the Survivor Network at Welsh Women's Aid. I am the lead on the Survivor Network, Vicky Lang. We've been asked today to talk about experts by experience with some experiences on how social workers have helped or hindered our journey. And I have got three survivors from the network who have been anonymized completely, and I will refer to them with the numbers they've been allocated. So now we'd like to hand over to Survivor 33 to share their stories. If this triggers you in any way, please feel free to step away. And in the notes below where there will be the Live Fear Free helpline in which you can call should you need any support. Thank you. Over to you, Survivor 33. Thank you. I've been um, in contact with social services intermittently for over 15 years and I've had some really positive experiences and being subjected, following subjected to many investigations, following false allegations by the perpetrator. In the early days when I first was in contact with social services, they weren't really sure how to deal with my situation because my situation was not one where you could see a bruise. It was not one where you could see the house smashed up and things broken. My abuse was far more covert, was far harder to explain. And I found it hard to explain. I didn't have the words to explain what I was going through. And what I think I found over the years is the nuances of coercive control has really become more understood in social services. And also that social services understand that they often are misused by someone who's coercive controlled continue emotional abuse post-separation and recognition as well that victims of emotional psychological abuse is as serious as physical abuse and also acknowledgement of financial abuse. So I think there has been progress of the nuances of what is um, domestic abuse, but In terms of services, I still think there are lots of further things to do, but it has improved over the years. Would you say that the progress we've made is is due to the awareness that's around now, Survivor 33? I think the awareness that Welsh Women's Aid has, the awareness raised campaign, particularly around coercive control, especially by the Live Fear Free kind of campaign when it was first launched, was really important because it it didn't just show a woman being domestically abused, it showed a man being domestically abused, a friend being abused by someone. And the covert kind of tactics that people use to gain control over you, they can be so subtle. So I think that campaign really helped raise debate, raise awareness amongst professionals and the public alike. So I think that has helped. And obviously the past two or three years, we've had some really high profile cases and that of course has caught the attention of everyone. So I think it is far more positive in that sense that it is recognized, it is realized how serious it can be and the long-term effects it has on the survivors. 
Amazing. So thank you for sharing some of your experiences. What I want to do now is kind of have a relaxed conversation with you about, you know, what has helped you most on your journey. So I'll give that to you, Survivor 33, first, and then we'll pass it over to see, you know, what comparisons and actually what can be learned from the positive things that's happened to kind of help your journeys through. I think um, what has been positive is that more people understanding and being aware of coercive control and financial abuse and that they consider children now as, as at risk as children who would be physically or sexually abused and that they are working closer with schools collaborating more with mental health services and caring particularly for children in care. I think there is a big movement towards um, creating a preventative approach and I think that comes down to some of the legislation in Wales as well. So I think there are some really good, there's some good work going on within public sector really and social services playing a dominant part in that in driving forward a cultural change but also kind of a systemic change amazing thank you for that feedback survivor 32 can you think of anything that helped you to get through you know the toughest of times that that, that you would say was more positive well i didn't have a positive experience at all with social services So I found it really, really hard. I've struggled to find something positive. The only thing I would say is that she she did work out pretty quickly. There wasn't any danger to my children or anything like that. Again, this was, we're talking now, nine years ago. So coercive control wasn't really understood then. It sounds, I've got some similarities to what Survivors 33 was saying. And she just, well... She didn't believe me, basically. So the only thing I got positive is that she did work out pretty quickly that I was okay to care for children. And that that's the most positive thing I could think of. But, you know, regardless to the fact that you've had such a negative experience, even reaching out for that positive, you know, experience that you can share, I really yeah. value to share that as well. So thank you for finding that. Surviving Line, can I hand the same question over to you? Yeah, to start with, it was very positive. I found most social worker was very um, compassionate, very understanding, very supportive of myself and my children and made me feel very much at ease and very, very calm. And she was very kind and and supportive. Do you feel that built a a kind of a a trust relationship between you and her to actually move the case forward? Did that help? Um, The case didn't really go anywhere. Okay. Um, I only saw her a couple of times and then she disappeared. Okay. So it was, it was quite inconsistent without putting words into your mouth. Do you feel like she was there and she, she kind of gave you that kindness and the, the gesture that you, you could trust her, but it was inconsistent in, in how often you've seen her? Most definitely. Yeah. She was definitely what I needed at the start of my journey and she, and she was brilliant at the start of the journey, um, but there was real inconsistencies to follow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. So I'd like to go back because we touched on Survivor 33's experiences. I just want to ask Survivor 32, over the time that you've had experiences with with social services, what did you experience that wasn't so good with social services? Yeah, that that, that list is a lot easier. Um, 
Well, when was the red flags from the perpetrator's family and him? They'd taken my child. When she went up to do all the various reports and stuff like that, I was always on my own. When she went to the perpetrator's house, he was there with his whole family. Every one of them got to have their say about me and every one of them were included in the report. And then she would come back and, and tell me and I would have to respond to the false allegations and that on my own. She didn't speak to my children, my other children that were in the house who were 13 and 15 and had witnessed everything. Well, mostly, mostly everything. She didn't speak to those. What age was your child when they removed your, your child from you, Care Three months old. So still in that kind of attachment age and, you know, where you, you're developing the maternal instincts and that kind of nurturing relationship a, a, a child needs with, with them, mother. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Can you think of any other examples uh, in terms of how it prevented your journey from being as, um, how can I put this, um, necessary for you to move forward, like in a productive way? Yeah, she basically took the stance very early on that it was he said, she said. So when I was reporting things back to her that were happening, for instance, he wasn't doing any caring for the, the baby. It was all his family. You know, he was leading a very active social life, which I could prove. Bearing in mind, she put a report into the court saying there was no reason why I couldn't care for my child as well. I don't think she made it clear to them that what they were doing was wrong because she had put this report in to say, Right, she can care for the child, but then they wanted another report, the, the family courts, and that, that she had to do again. So all in all, she did, I think it was three reports, but not at any stage did she sort of tell the grandparents that they had to take a stand back and it should be him caring for him. She literally ignored whole blown up situations because I had my window smashed, all sorts happened, but... She literally took it as he said, she said. She made up her mind pretty early on that it was going to be 50-50 care because she kept saying it to me and she didn't move from that. And now as a result, he still maintains control over myself and my son's life. You know, my son goes there part of the week, a good part of the week, and we're having problems now. And obviously when all this was looked at, he was a baby. And, you know, nine years on, it's not relevant now to us. So you're still living under the same orders that were made when when your son was a child, a yeah. very young child, and he has never had a voice in any of this? No, never. But what would you feel the impact on that this is having, not only on your, yours and his relationship, but also just, just on him, your child? It's having a terrible effect on him. He has actually come to me and said he's frightened of him the way he behaves, if he just asks for simple things. He's recently been up there for a week, which was on the court order, this guy from nine years ago, and he'd been doing their washing, not just his own. He's got to sort his own food out for school. He's called down to do the washing, he said, when he's, you know, playing or he's called in. Sometimes he's just told he has to go out of the house, which that has caused problems yeah so 
it, it's not having a good effect at all. Okay, I really, really appreciate how hard it is to talk about the impacts that it has on your ch our children. So I really appreciate you yeah. digging deep f for these these thoughts and actually what's happening within your life on so a court order that was made so long ago. Thank you. So I will hand that question over to Survivor33. If you have anything else to add, would you think, feel you've covered that? The one thing that has always gone against me, and as I mentioned earlier, as I've We've, my daughter and I have been in touch with social services for over 15 years. And like the last survivor spoke of, even though they understood and they were warm words, and I have to say, on the whole, we were believed, even in the early days, they knew that there was something wrong, even if they didn't know the term was coercive control. The investigation, I always felt, was very face value and because the perpetrator became known to make complaints about social services staff, then they would quickly shut the case down. So, you know, the amount of this is one of the reasons why we're back and forth all the time when in touch with social services, because there's never a real resolution. We might be believed people feel for my daughter and I, they understand what's going on, but they feel powerless to help us. Hence this, the longevity of, of the experience we're going through, they feel they can't do anything. And I think that's, you know, the most frustrating thing and kind of sad thing that has impacted, particularly on my daughter, who has very little trust in authority now. I totally understand that. And just listening to the three of you, there's kind of key themes on the lack of transparency and the inconsistency of the whole picture, even when it's there for them to see. Would you all agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate what you've shared so far. I'd just like to go over one more thing with each of you. So I'll go to Survivor 9 for this first. If there was changes in the system or the way social workers would say, what, what actually would you like to see? In my case, it would be more support. Like I said, I was very supported at first. And then when my perpetrator was sentenced, the support disappeared. When he was released, I was contacted by probation and asked if he could send gifts and cards to the children. I didn't know whether he was allowed to because I was told initially by the social worker that he would never have contact with my children. So I contacted social services to ask where I stood, what I was allowed to do, what I wasn't allowed to do to be told that my case was closed and I could do whatever I wanted to do. So in my case, it was the lack of support and the lack of guidance that I struggled with and felt very alone and very frightened because I didn't want to do the wrong thing and then be, be questioned about it at a later date. There definitely needs to be more training around domestic abuse, how to support and not judge and how to listen to these women who've suffered domestic abuse and for them to trust in what, what these women are telling them. Amazing. And I think training enhanced in the complexities of abuse and the way it can actually kind of be, be hidden or actually a, a survivor not understanding what types of abuse they've been through. Would you agree? Definitely. I didn't realize that I was a victim of domestic abuse until 
I went to Women's Aid and they they asked me these questions, these probing questions, and I sat there and put my head in my hands and said, oh my word, I've been a victim for, for the last 12 years and I didn't even know. Okay. So most definitely they need to be asking these questions. I totally agree, especially with what you've all shared today. So um, thank you for sharing. I'm going to hand that question over to Survivor 32. What would you like to see if you could encourage changes within the system or within the way social workers work? I'd like the reports and things like that. Once it's all being made, the fight you've gone to the final hearing, decisions have been made. I would like to see reviews, you know, anything up to like a year after the hearing. Because I think what they believe from the perpetrator, a lot of the time is made up. A lot of the time the situation is completely different at home then. Had they gone back and sort of six months to a year later, he was living somewhere else with somebody else with another child, had been at the time of the previous court case. So then it could have unraveled a little bit, you know, could have seen what was going on. Was that still best then for him to, you know, be traveling 45 minutes for nursery and things like that? So I think just because there's no concerns, it doesn't mean, you know, they think there's no concerns. I think it should still be reviewed and maybe then by some, a, a different social worker with fresh eyes on the matter. That's what I would like to see because you go away from there. They go, no concerns, that's fine. Walk away, but everything isn't fine. It's not fine. You're still in a mess. Like I say, we're still here all these years later. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Because I know this is a, 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 a huge thing we, we talk about within the network about perpetrators using other services like as a weapon to be in control mm -hmm. further. So is there anything around that that you could think of that, you know, that needs to be, to, that needs to stop or, you know, without putting words in, but. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did initially use social services like that as a weapon. But where it went wrong, CAFCAS was supportive of me and they went into social services through it. So it actually went through because of me, even though he tried. But I would say, you know, I was helped by Women's Aid, the local Women's Aid, and they expressed concerns to the social worker because they were trying to get me contact with my son. And to which he was absolutely awful. They put him on speaker in the office so they could hear how awful he was, how awful he was being. So I think that they should, if somebody's phoning, they're not being a pain in the neck. They're not, they're doing it for a reason. They've got a genuine concern. But the problem I was getting as well was my social worker really worked part-time. So the other thing I would like to see is a permanent point of contact. So even if that social worker isn't in work, you've got somebody you can go to, you can speak to. They can relay messages and you can find out things that are happening because healthcare professionals, women's aid, myself, we weren't getting any callbacks. I don't think she was even getting the messages half the time. So I do think there needs to be a greater understanding with everything. They need to listen is the, is the main thing. Do you mean listen to you or listen to services that are involved and kind of share this data? Yeah, I think that's it, is it listen to the services that are involved and, and share the data and everything. Because like I say, I know Women's Aid were trying to get through. They tried she, for several weeks. It took for them to get hold of her. And it was kind of like, oh, well, what do you want me to do about it? Because she'd already written a report. 
So, you know, these things, that's the other thing, maybe amendments could be added because a lot of the time the bad behaviour from him would start once the report had gone into court. Well, once it's gone then, she's not looking at anything. So maybe if you could put amendments in, this has happened since then, this has happened since then. You know, maybe that would curb some of it. I don't know. But it, it, again, the touch on the recommendation that they review it maybe yeah. quickly or yearly, just yeah. to make sure that it is in the best interest of your child and the child is safe. And, you know, it's you, everybody's acting on behalf of that ch- child, which is essentially what, what I would say a social worker's role is when your children... Yeah you know, are involved with social services. Would you agree? Definitely, definitely. That would be, that would make a big difference in a lot of, lot of the things I've heard and experienced for myself. So definitely. Do you have anything else that you want to add before I hand that question to Survivor 33? Or are you okay with that? No, I'm fine. Thank you. No problem at all. Survivor 33, I asked you the same question. What changes if you could influence would you would you like to see yeah. i made a completely spot the excellent points that the other two survivors have made i think the but all very crucial in terms of inclusive control and financial boost i would like to see a specialist qualification within their training so you really really understand that there is a department that specializes in this area and also there's a different criteria for children and families at risk because I think, you know, there's just this one fits all. And as I've mentioned several times and survivors, coercive control is, is so subtle. It can be so subtle. It can be hard to pinpoint. It can be hard to understand what the risk is. But I think with great training and understanding and also new criteria that also then links up with when you're going to family court, if you're going to family court, I think that's really important. The other thing is when you're subject to many allegations to social service about your behavior as a mother, by father, I think that they need to join the dots. I, I understand, and the police do the same. I understand they have to see every case is a new case. They have to look at the backstory as well and join the dots because I think what's frustrating for me as a survivor is there is a strong pattern of behavior and it's repetitive and it's predictable and it's also preventable. And I'm sure if we all kind of talked about the pattern of behaviour the perpetrators take, they all do the same thing. It's, it's not a big shock, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's not shocking anymore. We all kind of know because they all do It's as if they've all got the same guidebook. This is how to, you know, kind of terrorise and, you know, kind of emotionally abuse the mother. And if we can spot it and we're not trained, then surely people who are trained to spot this should be able to deal with it in the correct manner to prevent consistent kind of abuse post-separation. And I think that is a huge problem for women. You know, we all think it's going to get better when we've left, but actually sometimes, and in my case, it just got worse and it's still a bad 15 years on. I totally agree. It's about that, you know, repetitive pattern of of, of coercion in many different forms in the way it takes and the, the use of services on the ground who we look up to trust and actually a lot of women say how they envisage that 
they go to a social worker in, in order to protect their child because they don't feel that they can do it alone. And then actually when they, they face that repeated coercion because the service is being used, because the perpetrator can sometimes be quite subtle and hide who they real, really are because of the lack of, I don't know, communication they have it's quite easy for them to, to kind of hide and, and behind. Yeah, one of the things the women constantly relay is about, you know, they, they're exhausted from actually fighting everybody just to protect their children. Would you agree? I'm exhausted. Um, and I'm sick of people telling me I'm strong. I, I don't want to be strong anymore. I just want to get on with my life. Yeah. I don't want to have to consistently put up with false allegations, threats, investigations which are really stressful for me but also you know my daughter and harmful as well particularly at the moment in a you know kind of really important part of the um, moment in her life and I, that has to be taken into account as well the impact asking questions to children when they don't fully understand or they're being asked questions when in their head it'll be taking sides and it's, it's not fair you know it's not fair it's not appropriate and all this, as I mentioned before, could be preventable if there was just a different way of thinking and acting and that the system, the system is there to support us. And sadly, right now, the system is not supporting us, it's supporting abusive behaviour. Absolutely. And obviously, children were given their own rights of being victims of domestic abuse in their own right now. So you know, that needs to be looked into more why that isn't ingrained in the services that, that are providing that service to children in, in part of their protecting. So I want to thank the three of you for coming along and actually sharing some of the deepest things that have impacted your lives for, for quite some time. I feel you're tired and exhaustion, but I know it takes a lot to come forward and actually share to help others. And I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. But we want to thank you as an audience for listening. And I want to promote the Live Fear Free Helpline now, which is the National Wales Helpline to provide help and advice about violence against women, domestic abuse and sexual violence in Wales, not just to people who feel they're going through it, but to anybody who feels they're close family members or friends or work colleagues or, or anybody you know in Wales is struggling with something you know is, is not right please, please do give them a call and they will help. But anybody who feels they need support after this, this podcast, please do feel free to give them a call. They are amazing. They deal with it 24 hours a day. They will meet your needs um, and it's tailored for everybody. So I want to thank you ladies once again for sharing your stories and thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Cascade Talks. Diolch am rando ar Cascade Talks. Hoffwn ddweud diolch i ymchwil iechyd a gofal Cymru ac i lywodraeth Cymru am eu cefnogaeth cyllid. We'd like to thank Health and Care Research Wales and the Welsh Assembly Government for their funding support. Exchange brings together leading researchers with practitioners and service users to share expertise, research evidence and care experiences. To sign up for free events and access resources, visit exchangewales.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Exchange Wales.